guys welcome to the drive-in podcast i'm lamont and i'm alex and we watch bad movies so you don't have to well today we don't have a movie today uh this right here this has got to be this is for me best show on tv right now i'm in love with this series we're talking about winning time i don't care who you are if you're a human being with two eyes and a heart this game this industry makes you feel good what industry? Sweat socks? No, show business. Hey, Dr. Bus. I'm going to buy the Lakers. Ah, no kidding. Welcome to sunny Los Angeles. Great for tans. I'm going to win the championship one of these days. Shit for fans. We are trading in an empire of real estate for what? The entire league is on the verge of bankruptcy. Shut up, Frank. Dad, I want to work for you. All right, let's have an interview. Uh. Summer draft. Right, the Lakers get top pick. Right, so who do I pick? The show's stopping. Local phenom. Naturally gifted. Urban magic. Do not use that nickname in this house. Mama, she say magic the devil's word. Devil can't hoop like me, though. I'm on HBO Max. And in order to do it, we had to bring in a Boston Celtic apologist, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we Our favorite in- cousin. From Boston. <laughs> bring it back our guy, Chris Pallone. Chris, welcome back in. Chris Pallone. <laughs> so good to be back with you. It's been too long. Yes, it has. So, Chris, tell me, man, this series, how's it hidden for you? How do, how do you like it? We already we did the first episode. We're going to jump into everything after the first, all the way up to what's going on now. How, how Were you ex- like anticipating the series? What did you think of it? I I have no under I have no idea why anyone would focus on this team or this era. It really it just it just it just, it just goes to show you uh, the severe lack of programming on all these streaming oh. services. Oh no, I you know it's funny guys. Like um, you know I read Kareem's critique of it and whatever, and um, I did find the first episode to be a little slow. But then it just sucks you in, you know, it really, um, it's it's incredibly compelling. And the personalities, it, it's a slam dunk, and you know, to, to pun intended, I guess, right. of, of just um, the, having great characters, incredible stories that those characters undertook, things that you care about, drama with whether Bus is going to lose the team and, and the financial issues. Um, you know, whether magic is going to be taken advantage of. I, it, it has everything that you look for. And if you're a sports fan, how can you not watch it, right? No matter who you root for. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Like, I, when I saw this, I was so excited because, uh, like, okay, John C. Riley, I'm already all the way in. Adam, yep. Adam McKay, amazing filmmaker. So you know it's going to be different. It's going to be creative. And then I feel like I was telling Alex before, like, you got to get Magic right and you got to get Kareem right. And right. I feel like these two actors do a really good job portraying the, these guys. And I just feel like, you know, there's some, they play hard with, with the facts. They're not really up on the factual part of it, but I feel like it's just compelling storytelling and they do a really, really good job. And I just hate the fact that all these Lakers are coming out now saying like, this isn't what happened. And I, Jerry, I mean, Jerry West is like, I want a retraction. I want an apology. 
I, I, that was one of the things to me is like, f- first of all, I feel uncomfortable a little bit whenever you do a fictionalized version of real events when most of the people are still alive. Mm. It's certain, it's certainly uh, dangerous territory and where most of them are celebrities, they would have a very hard time getting any sort of defamation thing going, obviously. But like, I, I do, I do feel for Jerry West. I, I haven't seen anything that's described him as like this raving sociopath lunatic. You know what? Cook sent me out there to be his star too. Got me to sell his tickets. And every year we lost, he still cashed his checks. But I'm the one that's gotta live with it. I'm the one that's gotta have the nightmares of these Boston Irish mother on the floor. Do you think I like that? A series that could have truly gone either way. I can still smell the halitosis. You get any idea what that's like? <laughs> With anger issues. Um, so so to, to, it's got to be pretty tough for him to watch and just, you know, see himself portrayed uh, as, as just a crazy person. And then the other person I kind of feel bad for, and I should have gone and looked. I, I have no idea if Paul Westhead is still alive. I'm sure he probably is. But, you know, I love Jason Siegel. But my God, could Westhead have been that incompetent the way they play him in this in this show? I know that our hearts are heavy. But we got a job to do. And there is nothing, there is nothing that Jack McKinney would want more than a win. That's right. So let's take a minute. Let's take a minute. Give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak whispers the orfrot heart and bids it break. So coach did? No, no, no. Just a, a bumbling idiot, nervous around his own players all the time. Like that part, I really kind of felt bad for that dude because he's not that big a celebrity in real life, and, and man, he looks terrible. Right. No, nah, but they said that Westhead, like if you would have saw a picture back in the day, Westhead was a cool one, and Riley was the nerd with, mm. you know, the mustache and the butchy hair, and they kind of reversed it on this one. But uh, Jason Siegel, I think he's doing an amazing job in this. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Alex, what about your thoughts on this? What did you think? Did, like since episode one? I'm. I'm, I'm like everybody else. I love the lie. Give me more of the lie. I don't care about <laughs> how accurate it is. I don't care about... I love how they're, take, they're doing good storytelling, even though it's fictional. They're using real characters, but the elements that they're using to, to convey the story is so great. They're shooting in old film stock. Mm. They're, they're, they're char- the, the costume's perfect. Uh, they're really amp up the time during that time between the, the late 70s and the in the early 80s or the mid 80s. It's like it puts you in a time machine and, and I yeah. really enjoy the ride is in that sense. I'm, I'm telling you one of my this, everybody loves magic but one of my favorite characters is uh, Storm and Norman. Like yeah. Storm and Norman is hilarious. In between Storm and Norman and how Michael Cooper, which is one of my favorite Lakers, <laughs> oddly enough, is is you know they try to make uh, Michael Cooper this 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 church boy like he's really soft, and I love that. I, I'm, I'm loving it all just watching it. So, I mean, when I first saw it, I'm like, when you say Lakers, you got me already. 
because that was my favorite time doing with the Lakers. In between that and the Shaq and Kobe uh, dynasty, but you got me a go with Lakers. And then when you come up all the way up to this point, we and one of the main reasons why we have Chris on the show is this last episode mm-hmm. with 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 the uh, with the nemesis, the the evil, the Thanos, Larry Bird. Let's get this shit over. Still mad, I see. Larry, question. What'd you eat before the game? Food. Larry, who's gonna guard you? Who cares? Larry, what's your prediction? We're gonna win. Larry, what do you want to say about the game? We're gonna play the game. Larry, you're gonna win tonight? Yep. Ah, come on. Any jitters? Nope. Magic, magic! What do you think about Larry? Anything about the strategy, Larry? It's another game. It's going to be a good one, though. Two great teams, great rivals. They don't get you going. You ain't got a pause. To, to come up in this one and how they oh. made Larry Bird look in this one. I didn't. I never thought Larry Bird would be a gangster, but they <laughs> made Larry Bird a straight-up gangster in this. Well, Chris, was he a gangster? Like, you're a Bird fan. Did You know. It, it, you know, they called him the hick from French Lick, and uh, he's, cer- <laughs> he's certainly, I think, the the trash talking and the dead seriousness of him looking people in the eye, and even the scene on the floor when he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fake left. I'm going to go right. Oh I'm going to fit it, and I'm going to dunk it on you or whatever. He did that. That is documented. This is real. The the part where he's kind of spitting tobacco into the beer can, <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know about that. And then like my question was, um, the joint press conference between Magic and Bird. I was like, did, did that really happen? That under did, no, what con- I, I'm like, under what context would have that have happened? Unless it was a converse thing because they were both, right. you know, remember those weapons uh, commercials I, that they used to do, which yes. were fantastic. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, I think they kind of. I mean, the look certainly, and and the swagger, and the and the just did like just taking everything so seriously, just not fooling around at all. I think they captured that. I think they went a little hard into the paint, so to speak, on the uh, you know, like he's some NASCAR loving redneck from uh, <laughs> you know Alabama as opposed to Indiana. Uh, right. was, a, was a little funny to me. The thing the thing that I thought that they did really well though was um, also the, just portraying what it was like for teams to come to the the old Boston Garden in the 70s and 80s, where Red Arbach definitely deliberately uh, made things as uncomfortable as possible for the visiting team in terms of the place leaking and rats and uh. having like, <laughs> like, the, the hot water wouldn't work in the showers and then the, heat, the radiators would be up, turned up, it'd be June. And the radiators would be up to a hundred, you know, ninety-nine degrees in the room. All of that is true, and wow. so that wow. that attitude of coming into this hostile environment absolutely is is one hundred percent correct. So, Chris, you saying that you you give it you give validation to that? Is there a leprechaun that haunts, <laughs> that haunted hey, the garden? <laughs> hey, they, they, you know, it more likely was a giant rat than a. <laughs> funny story but in the uh i believe is in the 80s it might have been in the 70s but in the 80s a monkey escaped from the barman <laughs> bailey circus and and people used to say that they heard or saw the monkey and and but they could never capture it 
And then wouldn't you know when they were demolishing the garden 20 something years ago to build the, the at the time it was going to be the shaman center and then the fleet center and now it's a TD garden. They found the skeleton of the stupid monkey in the rafters. Oh, wow. if you can believe it. So Man. that that place was just it was amazing and horrible all at once. I remember it from my childhood going to, I, I went to a few Celtics games as a kid. I went to some, my first ever Bruins game as a, uh, I was uh, six years old in 1980. And, and even then as a kid, you kind of knew this is a dump, but man, it's our dump, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I, I, I felt. It felt like I love the way they should. Uh, this was, uh, was it the invisible man, that episode yeah. when, when they had, they showed the Boston Garden. I thought they really did a really good job of that. And so yeah. it, I don't know, it just it felt like I was there. Bravo! At least he fucking earned it. That's your first honest call of the night. Watch it, coach. I'm about to throw you out of this game. You've been screwing us all night. What did you say? Oh, it's enough. I said I was screwing your wife last night. Proud of here. It's okay. It's okay. You're up, coach. Boston. I felt like I was there, but I wanted to ask you guys, like, the inaccuracies really bothered me because I went back and looked at the box score that that particular game they're talking about with Bird and when they played the Lakers there. And in that particular box score, uh, it wasn't Magic that pushed the ball to Kareem. It was Norm. Norm came down and pushed the ball to Kareem, and Kareem scored on the skyhook. Like, I don't know why they would change change it up when you have real life right there. Yeah, because didn't they, and I just watched it a day or two ago, didn't they have Cooper score the winning? Yeah. Let's get in that one. Yeah, and then Cooper didn't do that. Uh, yeah. Haywood hey never pushed Bird. Like, that was never a thing. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I get you doing it for dramatic license, but, like, when yeah. you have the box score, like, you don't have to yeah. do that. that. That was my feeling, too, because – even like, and I meant to go back and look at it like you did. So I'm glad that you did because like in my brain, I was trying to grant, I was five years old at the time, but like, I was trying to think back and I'm like, I don't remember a ball throwing incident where it got that chippy in their first meeting. You know, no, I and, really and that, felt like. And that wasn't their first meeting. Their first meeting, they, they played in LA. Right. They right. played in LA first and then they came to Boston and they push it off. Like this is their first meeting. Like the Lakers suck. And at that point, I think the Lake that year, the Lakers were like, you know, they were like sixty and like fifteen. Like they had a really right. good yeah. season. They would. They did not suck. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. I, for like I was telling Alex when, like, my wife watches this and she doesn't really know. So it, it's just all drama to her, and she really loves it. But if you know basketball, you're like, right. eh, okay, guys. Yeah. Well, I think that's the mix up. It's like for those that are um, enthusiasts as far as basketball or sports are concerned they get you're going to get upset because truth be told if you really wanted to do if they really wanted to do this they could just lay it out as it is and tell the truth and it still would be just as entertaining yeah. uh but i don't know man like i like i opened up with i love the lie <laughs> I, I, I can't get enough of it. it it's so freaking hilarious just to watch bus function, man, and his mom, and, and those two right there, that is hilarious to watch them two and how they get along. It got kind of sad when you see her, you know, her help fading 
and right. he has to deal with that. But past that, leading up to it, like the whole thing, you, you got to go out there and dance, man. You got to be like Fred Astaire. And, and, and the game talking how he finessed these people and trying to keep this thing going, this, just, this big hustle that he got. It is so entertaining to see. I mean, I, I look forward to it. Like tonight, so yeah. as soon as I get off work, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going, yep. to, I'm going straight to my couch, and I'm going to turn on the TV, and I'm going to watch more of this live. Give me more live. <laughs> yeah. Just lies. But John, lies. But John C. Riley, I think this is the performance of his career. Oh, I really it's, do. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you brought it up and brought it up again because I, I, I love him. I've loved him come, you know, before this project, but the, they just captured Buss's look. I mean, it's clear he put on weight. I, I, everything about it, he is so excellent and so captivating and keeping me, even in kind of dull moments or whatever, I, I'm waiting for the next scene that he appears in to see what kind of fire he either creates or has to put out. Mm. And the, the only fun, I was telling my brother, the only funny thing that, that kind of breaks the, the wall for me is that he's never going to be able to change his voice. And so right. when he's sometimes when he's talking, I hear Dale Dobeck from <laughs> right. Did you touch my drum set? Right. You, drum set? you know, but but uh he he's amazing. And and I I would tell anybody if they're John C. Riley, watch this just for him, even if you're not particularly interested because of, of the of what he does. Yeah, I think I think he's he's amazing in this. Like I said, I, th- I think the Emmy's coming to him next year I, yeah, it's gotta, go, it's, it's gotta go to him you you know he's really showing range in this because mm-hmm. his you know normally when he's showing emotion it's, it's always going to be something funny but when you see all this stuff coming at, at bus you can see like in, in that moment like, like when he was sitting at in his mom's bed and they're laughing but he has to turn away and wipe the tears away I'm like Oh, he's putting it down right now. Yeah, but like he's I, go ahead. No, no. But I'm saying this cast to me is like the freaking Lakers. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, really, John C. Riley, Adrian Brody's, Sally Field, man. Sally you got Field, Sally bro. freaking Field came in just to play the mom. Like, you're not going to be a main star. You're just going to be the mother of the the guy that's the lead. And she's about, like, okay, I'll do it. How about Gabby Hoffman? Uh, in the role of Claire, the the uh, the forums accountant or the, oh, the forums yes. manager, she's killing it. Yeah, she yes. holds it. She holds the whole thing. To, like in in many ways, she's holding the whole organization together. Yes. Yeah. I, I I I'm shocked that they didn't just fall apart with all the yeah. balls, all the balls they had up in it. And it's funny seeing the story, and like we know what happens, so you kind of know where it's going. But like it's it's just so amazing to watch. Yeah. So go ahead. shout out to Paula Adu. Like, <laughs> like they, they even brought her in. They brought a character in just to pay homage to the fact that this woman pioneered this new like movement girls. as yeah. far as you know, dancers being at, at a basketball game. Like the, she started the Laker girls. Like yep. that's crazy. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching and I'm waiting for Pat Riley to turn into Pat Riley. Like, yeah. I, I'm waiting for the hair to get slicked back. Yes. Man. I'm waiting for this hair to get slicked back for the longest, man. And I'm waiting. Hey, do, but do you love the flash forwards when he's looking in the mirror yes. and he sees himself as an old man? I mean, that's excellent. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, and I think that goes back to kind of the Adam McKay influence on this and, and what is keeping it captivating 
in terms of the storytelling with both the grainy kind of 1970s film feel and, yeah. and the music that plays into it, that brings you to this era. And, and it, it might just be me. I don't have a great TV. My TV is 10 years old, which is the same. I know <laughs> oh, when come you on, work Chris, in TV. You better, than, you better than that, man. I know. When, hey, we're moving to Massachusetts next week, so a new one might be on the table. <laughs> yeah, you deserve but, that. Uh, he, there are a couple scenes where it almost looks like it goes to videotape, too. Mm. And mm-hmm. it kind of has that uh, soap opera quality to it where it goes away from the graininess. And every now and then it looks like, and it could, like I said, it could just be me or I could be just sitting in a dark room or whatever. But I swear to God that every now and then a scene goes to like kind of this, this like kind of bridging the era between film and videotape, which would come and like really explode on the scene in the 80s. What and, is that? And so, no, well, so they... I, you know. I don't know if I'm the the only one who noticed that or if that's an intentional effect that they were trying to do. Well, they said that they intentionally shot shot some of this stuff on an Ikigami camera. So wow. it's like they found yeah. the, act, the actual camera. They didn't do an effect on it, and they shot it on that actual film to, in order to give you the feeling that you're there. And then I went back yeah. and I looked for the replay of these games. And when you go back and you put Google them and you go on YouTube, it looks exactly like it does on the in the show. Yeah, which I yeah. think is, that's freaking I mean, amazing. Even yeah. even the even the title text on it looks like the old school title text that they had when yeah. they would put up the scores and everything. I'm like, right. yeah, they kept. If one thing they kept authentic was was that <laughs> <laughs> the story might be a lie, but the, yeah. the elements aren't. So, but that's, that's what I'm saying. If you're gonna go that far to put the actual Panasonic thing in Boston Garden, if you're gonna go that far yeah. to do all that that Rye really was back then, then you should do that with the story. That's, yeah, just, that's just me. That's just yeah, me. They, did a, they, did, they did a good job of uh, uh, recreating these big arenas and whatever. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's one thing if the place still exists, but, you know, in the case of the old Boston Garden that's been gone for 20 years, uh, that's tough to do. And, and, and with the signage and things, obviously it looks smaller, but with the signage and everything that they had in there, it absolutely captures the feel on the parquet floor and all that too. I know, like I, it's I don't know. I just feel feel like it it, ta- it takes you back. And I remember, I don't know about you guys, but my dad bought me those weapons. The uh, yeah. the, uh, the, the I had the magic weapons. Didn't match. Mm. Didn't match. Didn't match anything I owned. <laughs> but uh, really, really had those. And I got a quick Magic Johnson story to tell. Uh, Mad, you know, Magic's uh, dad is from Mississippi, right? So his grandfather. Uh, was a janitor at the uh, junior college where my mom worked. So when I was a kid, we were we were playing in, playing basketball in the uh, court one day, and then we look up and dude walks in. He's like, "You, you mind if I run with y'all?" And it was Magic Johnson. He had came no. down. Yes, he had came down to visit his grandmother. I mean, his grandmother and grandfather, and he was just he was just at the school, and he came through. We played a couple games with us. Just a really really chill, cool guy. That is the that is one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, like he's just just a chill, cool guy, and just just sad to see the way his career ended. But just uh, yeah. love love magic. So let's get in our categories, guys. Uh, and we're gonna do it for the whole series right now, instead of just the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. So Chris, so far, who's your MVP of this series? John C. Riley, without hesitation. Yeah. John C. Riley, just, just, just captivating, 
captures an era and and makes you feel like if, if you never saw Dr. Jerry Buss, that that is Dr. Jerry Buss. From here on out, we are playing to win every game. That's going to cost me some money, and that's my business. But the investment that I need from each and every one of you is everything else. Cool. I actually, I think, I think he's amazing. Like I said, I think this is a massive work for him. Like every yeah. episode, like my favorite line for him, no, when he's in the in the booth with the girl and his kids come up. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. She, she goes, "You're in the uh, restaurant." Yeah, like you're a good dad, but you're a better daddy. I thought that was just yeah. <laughs> I thought that hilarious. was just, just hilarious, and the and just the weight of having to place uh, somebody that people love and they know. That's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex MVP. Who's your MVP so far? I have to get on the bus. I got to. I got to <laughs> ride the bus with bus man. Bus man, and your you said your scene was the booth scene. My scene was. Um, the one where he was in the middle of the court when he Laying finally, we, yeah. when he finally got the team, he's like, "I own a basketball team." Yeah, that scene because you see all the stuff that he had to go through to get it, just to get and all these different type of characters he had to play with and play this game and this tightrope with just to get the team. And as you see, it's almost like money. It, you okay? You got the team now. What you going to do to keep it? So he has to go through all that. But that scene right there, when he's in the middle of the floor and he starts screaming, "I own, I own my own basketball team," was exciting to me. I love that scene. But outside of that, he's my MVP because he's showing so much range as far as acting chops are concerned, and I'm loving watching uh, Riley do his thing. Okay, okay, that's fair. Like you said, there, there's no wrong answers in this one at all. Mm. Uh, for me, my MVP is Quincy Isaiah. Mm. Uh, first acting job, I feel like if you get magic wrong, none of this works. Like, mm. it, like if magic, like when he has a smile, he has the charisma. So I feel like he does a really good job in this. And like I said, without him, it, it, it doesn't work. Like if magic right. sucks, then the whole show sucks. Right. And yeah, the fact, and the that. fact, the fact that him and Kareem, this is really their first acting job. Solomon Hughes' first acting gig, like th- that's crazy. I, I, my, I would suck. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so, man. so that, that's why I give Quincy Isaiah uh, my MVP. All right, LVP, least valuable player, person uh, who they got ro- who sucked, or you wanted to see more of. So, Alex, who's your LVP, or do you have one? I do. Uh, I want to see more uh, Haywood. Uh, what's the name's character? He's strong. Spencer Haywood, you talking about? about uh, what's, uh, the, Woody, what's his name? Wood Harris. Wood Harris. Yeah. He's a great actor, and I love what he does, but I, I want to see. Well, Truth I, think... be told, I, I didn't know who Haywood was. <laughs> He's one that... of those Lakers that I never knew, but and I, I wanted they... to see. I think they will because if you know the yeah. story correctly, he gets into drugs and stuff. So yeah. they're gonna have to address that toward the later episodes, I'm sure. Yeah, they're, they're definitely foreshadowing that. I think, yeah, I think he's gonna play a much bigger role. I hope so because here to far, man, I'm like, 
I love how he came up. I love how he's like he's like the unseen glue in the in the team. Like he's one of those elements that kind of brought the team together. Uh, and then you know this whole friction with him and the coaches not letting them play in this this last episode. I'm like, oh, I want to. I really want to see what's up with that. So I'm loving. That's that's one of the guys that gets the LVP for me. Not because he sucks. It's because he's so good, and I know how good of an actor this guy is. Wood Harris is, is great, but also this is where they get it wrong because Spencer Haywood was like thirty and Woods like fifty two. So like, <laughs> uh, right. yeah, like I uh, like twenty years there. But, uh, well, I mean, 30, 30 is the 52 of basketball, man. <laughs> I mean, LeBron James is really, you know, he's 37, and he's yeah, he's yeah. still keeping it going. I'm like, what drugs are you using, bro? <laughs> so, I mean. Yeah, him and Brady, but we're not going to get into that. But, oh, yeah, sorry. that is sorry. true. Sorry, sorry. my bad. True. My bad. My bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, you got an LVP here? I think so, and it's not a reflection on the actress by any stretch, but uh, Magic's mom. Wow, um, she's um, amazing. Why, do, why does every uh, – it, it's almost like it's something that's done so well. Why do we always resort to the cliche of the wet blanket? The one person who doesn't believe in the dream mm. or always has to act like he or she doesn't approve of what's going on and is hiding her love away where the father has to say, oh, your mama loves you, and she's, she listens to every game. Right. But on the outside, she can't give him that validation of, you're doing great, son. I love what you're doing. I listen to every game. It's always like it's, it's, it's always a light switch. It's all or nothing in this mm-hmm. one character in every project that, that there's always one person who's got to be the sourpuss. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing that made me laugh. I mean, I, I gave consideration to, uh, to Siegel as, as uh, Westhead because there's no way an, NBA, an actual guy who elevates to an NBA coach could be that incompetent and, and cerebral <laughs> exactly. and whatever. But, but at least it's entertaining. With her, it's just like, all right, we just need you to go out there and act like you hate your own son. Go, right. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lisa, but you know, Lisa you know, Gay Hamilton, that's her name. Like, yeah, she... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, you, you know what, Chris? The thing about it is, in most films, it's always a male role to do that. It's always right. the father that yeah. that is that sour puss. Yeah. Right? You you'll never be that. And and then, yeah. but they still use the same elements. She used to play basketball in high school, right. just like in every other film where you see the father and son tension. Well, you know, he used to be a great football star, but he blew his knee out. Now yeah. his son is the great football yeah. star. And he's riding his back all the time. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's just so typical that they would do that. I like the fact right. that you brought that up. It's yeah. it, but they just said, Oh, here's the switch. Yeah. We're gonna make it the mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> well, and a yeah. lot of times if it's the female, it's the wife, you know. So we could see what happens with Cookie here. But right. like, you know, the, the classic example is Adrian from Rocky, you know, you yeah. can't win, you know. It's yeah. Just, <laughs> that, yeah, just so. that that wet blanket. Right. I love it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, what about you, Lamont? Who, uh, who's the LVP for you, man? For me, uh, and this is one of my favorite actors, uh, I'm a big fan of The Shield. Michael Chiklis, Chiklis. Uh, mm. as Red Auerbach. I feel like it's a cartoon character. You strike me as a happy man. You only get so many summers, right? 
Then here's my advice. Okay. Enjoy this thing. Milk it. For the nookie, for the attention. Leave the dynasties to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I'm not a Celtic fan, but I know that, you know, he, they revere this guy. Like, this dude, like, for whatever he did, I mean, by the first African-American coach, like, he, that organization, right. for all the heat that Boston gets, that organization did a lot, you know, to let people, you know, do better and go far and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, when they play him off as this cartoon character, I thought Chicklet's great actor, but let him act. Take all the, you know, let him and Riley just go toe-to-toe. Right. And 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 I think that, you know, granted, by the time that I came of age in the 80s and 90s, Red was already pretty old. But, like, he he was more in real life he was more soft spoken and and kind of one of these quiet leaders and i don't know if he had quite the swagger and bravado that they played when when he and bus had their first meeting in the restaurant where he said he's going to mm-hmm. cut his heart out and stuff like yeah. maybe 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 in the 50s 60s 70s he was that guy but it just seemed like he he just always had a lot did a lot more listening than talking mm-hmm. and just kind of led with excellence as opposed to Larry Bird who led with the swagger right. and the and the and the challenges. So yeah, I, I absolutely see that. It probably was a thrill for Chickless being a Massachusetts guy to oh, play yeah. that role. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, I don't know if that was spot on. Yeah, that that's was a good, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Uh and I got I got a quick Celtic story. Uh they had NABJ in Boston one year, and they brought back the old Celtics. They had uh, what's my guy with the uh, Russell? They brought back Russell. They brought back a bunch of the old Celtics, and they talked about what it was like playing in the town and uh, just all the stuff they had to go through was with the racism yeah. and mm-hmm. all the stuff that they they had to deal with. But then they also talked about how the organization, you know, elevated you know their players and they had like the first black head coach and all that. So. Like Boston, like say what you will, like they did a lot for sure. Yeah, the the Celtics absolutely did. The Red Sox held out for as long as humanly possible. They <laughs> were the last Red Sox. You know, it's 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 a it's a long you know well worn story with Tom Yawkey and being the last to integrate. Um, you know, like many places, Boston's history and legacy is super complicated. They had the busing issue in the seventies, but but th- that's at, and and. And Auerbach, um, like you said, you know, first first African American coach and all that. So uh, it wasn't a monolith. It certainly wasn't a monolith between the Red Sox and the Celtics. And as a matter of fact, nowadays you see um, like encouraging tweets between the teams. Like you know, the Red Sox will tweet "Go Celtics" and stuff. Mm-hmm. For a long time, those those owners couldn't care less about each other. When the mm-hmm. Patriots started in 1960 and whatever the, those franchises couldn't stand each other you know yeah. and, and the ownership were all because they were all competing for eyeballs and they didn't really see it as any sort of civic pride because most of them weren't from the area mm. i mean red, red is from dc tom yawkey was from south carolina um you know so so and then the bruins were the bruins in the 70s they were kind of the the popular team so uh, and then the Patriots didn't come around until 1960 and could never find a place to play permanently until they built uh you know, that ter- first terrible stadium down in Foxborough. <laughs> right. Well, the Patriots. Oh, hey, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I got flashbacks to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> well, uh, I, all right. Uh, this is this, should, this one should be pretty hard. Six man coming off the bench. A lot of people here. So, yeah. Chris, who's your six man? 
I telegraphed this, but it's uh, Gabby Hoffman is Claire. Uh, just, just outstanding. First of all, she was a true pioneer as like the only, I believe at the time, the only female arena manager in the U.S. Every team's got fans. We'll have celebrities. Our girls, they won't cheer. They'll dance. And, and they kind of alluded to the fact that she pioneered uh, bringing uh, rock acts inside of arenas and um, the, just, just the strength to deal with the misogyny and the culture yes. at the time. She 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 wears it on her face and her constant chain smoking. Um, I th I think I think that that she's a really compelling aspect of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. speaking speaking to that, one of my favorite scenes is when the little kid is on the floor and he keeps saying the f bomb. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, he sits around me when I'm on the phone working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that was so hilarious. I'm here working on my day off and the kids f. F, yeah, F. yeah. And he like he like what? He's like, yeah. He sits around me when I'm talking on the phone. Anyway, <laughs> I'm supposed to be at the zoo with the kid. It, that's one of my favorite scenes. Um, for me, I would say um, Six Man. Yeah. Uh, even though he's your MVP, I would have to say Magic Man, the kid that plays Magic. Quincy Isaiah. Yeah, he's bringing it, bro. It's like. Everything that magic was then, just the cool, small, uh, smiling dude that he, you know, he got ragged for all the time. This dude does it so well, man. It's like you, you really can't think that he's not magic, or at least he's one of magic's many illegitimate kids that's out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, is this dude magic's little son that nobody knows about? Because he does him so well, bro. So I like I like Quincy, man. Okay. All right. That's fair. Like he, he's a good good pick for that. For me, my six man, it was tough for me because like, but I felt like Norm was in it too much to give it to him. I, my six man is Rob Morgan, Mad Magic's dad. Yeah. Mm, I feel yeah. like good. every scene that he's in, like, and my my favorite scene. Is from this last episode when he's sitting there at the table with Kareem. Yeah. Kareem, yeah, yeah. When he's yeah. sitting there and he's like, "Why is your son so happy?" And then he explains and like how he's from Mississippi and his son has never had to see what he's had to see, and so that's. For, I, I just felt like that. It, it touched me. I felt like yeah. as a father, that's what you want. You want it to be your son's life to be better than yours. And the scene in like the first episode when. He did him and his son are talking about the, the money. And he's like, I see you got this money in your hand. Like in the other hand, you got nothing. So you got you should take this money, son. And he's like, Well, Pops, that's for you. I feel like Rob Morgan's a great actor and he elevates Quincy Isaiah in all these scenes. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. even when Little Magic in there, he said, and like I listened to an interview with him, and he said that when they would be like offset and like uh Quincy was just playing basketball he would go there and cheer him on just so they could have that kind of camaraderie mm -hmm. just so because knowing this is his first role he wanted to be that type of father figure to step in there and just trying to help him out and this dude has a pet cat which i'm not going to hold against him but, yeah. uh, but rob yeah. morgan yeah he's my sixth man because i feel like every scene that, I, that we see him in they don't they got so many characters that they don't have it's hard to get screen time but when he's there it's really important so i got i get props to him yeah, that was and, and just to drop two pennies on it, uh 
that's that scene as far as like the father talking to Kareem and literally saying, "Hey, Kareem, like I want to, I want to help your boy through this whole situation," and he's like, "Hey, I really need you to help him through it." And it's almost like he's passing the torch on as far as a parental uh, mantle to give to Kareem to be like, "Hey, take him under your wing." And teach him about this world because he's very naive and he got a lot of people in his ear and he got a lot of people tugging at him and he's going to need somebody there that can do it. The whole, you know, I want to put my foot up his A word and, mm. <laughs> you know, that whole thing is like, I wouldn't see it no other way. Do what you got to do, sir. I love that. I love yeah. the fact that they they both, even though Kareem didn't seem like he cared, he cared for magic. Yeah. And I love that. I love that whole scene. So just drop two pennies on that scene that you brought up, Lamont. No, no, that, that, that was yeah, that was his guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh you your six man Alex. Yeah, I say uh I said magic. Magic was my Oh six yeah, man. yeah, magic. All right. Now uh favorite scenes, guys. I know that we got so many episodes, just certain scenes that, that stick out to you. Chris, you got any that just jump out? Uh, I love when um, when Bus shows up to the Boston Garden and they sit him in the nosebleeds and he looks out <laughs> of red, red, red's looking up from the floor with the uh, with the binoculars and kind of waves at him or whatever. That right. felt that felt felt authentic. In reality, Bus might not have even been there, or if he was, he probably was in a box or something like that. But that felt authentic of the way that the Celtics intimidated opponents in the eighties. That, yeah, that, that was really cool. That was really cool. What about you, Alex? You got uh, any scenes that jump out to you? I think the, the I made mention of it when uh, Bus was uh, at his mother's bedside and they right. laughed for a minute. They had that moment. But then, you know, he turns away and, and, and fight back to tears. Like, that was a very compelling moment. Outside of the fact that Bird and, and uh, Bird was just so gangster coming in. <laughs> <laughs> That whole spitting, spitting tobacco in a in a, yeah. in a, in a can, <laughs> going to the press conference that was gangster. But I think the scene that stuck out to me was that whole interaction between Bus and his mom, man. Yeah, that that and then those two heavyweights right there. So yeah. that that's going to be good. Uh, one of my favorites is uh this one. It's in I think the second episode when Magic and Kareem get into it. When Magic's so freaking happy. And Kareem says, well, how many games? Have, how long have you been playing ball? And then he breaks down, mm. none as a professional. This is mine. He gives you the number. I just feel like that's so Kareem. It's so cerebral. It's like, like rookie, just, just ease up. I'm, and then he tells coach, I'm going to get my 30 points. Right. Yeah. And, and he gets the 30 points. <laughs> right. And I'm going to win the game. And he does. So that's cool. Well, as, as another category, just, just for this show, we did the MVP, LVP, six man. I want to know who your favorite, favorite uh, character is. They might not be the best, but who is your favorite? Who do you like really enjoy watching, Chris? Who's your favorite character out of this whole menagerie of characters we got here? It's it's Bus. It's Bus because um, everybody has seen the public facing side of Kareem and Magic our whole lives, and we can judge for ourselves whether. Um, 
the the actors these these kind of relatively young rookie actors are able to capture them and i think we all agree that they really do with kareem and magic but with bus there it's a blank canvas because probably most people who watch mm-hmm. a series don't know the owner's personality unless they're like a real uh like a mark cuban type that's all very very involved in the team or you know but since this is so long ago uh John C. Riley had a lot of, of, of latitude of whether he plays him a certain way or he tries to act like him in real life, and he has to make it compelling no matter what he does. I mean, you know, for all we know, Jerry Buss could have been kind of like a really nerdy because he's, a, you know, an engineer or whatever. He could be kind of like not brash like this at all. It could have just been an or- organic plot in his head to create this Showtime uh, scenario, uh, uh, atmosphere around there, but but the way that he chooses to play him, it it really is clear that, you know, while magic is the star of the team and is going to be the catalyst to make them succeed for a decade, Jerry Buss is the, is the star of the show. Uh, And it is the architect and the brainchild of this, uh, of this uh, showtime era uh, atmosphere that they had there and how they built a team that really was not, you know, Nowadays, you go up and ask anybody who are the two best franchises in basketball, and you know, likely they say, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics or whatever. But but it didn't necessarily have to be that way, and it was a really transitional period in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. And so, for him to be front and center in this, I think is 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 you know just the the best character. Okay, cool, cool. Alex, who's your favorite? Who's the person you just you tune in for? Uh, I'm I'm about the same with Bus. Uh, I tuned in for for him a lot, but I do want to give an honorable mention to Jerry West, man. Every yeah. time, every time, <laughs> Jerry, the guy that plays Jerry West, Jason Clark, yeah, Jason Clark, and those outbursts and those him getting mad, like just blowing up, that is hilarious to me. I love how he cuss and then. They try to keep him away from the team, but he keeps coming back and he <laughs> pops up in the locker room. And then the next thing you know, he pop, he's listening to the radio and tearing stuff up and throwing it against. It's so funny. Like one, just to throw this in, one of my favorite scenes is when they go into the room and he's in his, in his locked himself in the room and he's in his underwear laying on the floor in a yeah. fetal position. That is so hilarious to me. I was like, God, he was dealing with depression like that. Well, he wrote yeah. in his book. In his book, he said he did. Like he, like some of the stuff. Yeah. Like even though Jerry says it's not true, that some of the stuff is you know pulled from reality. Mm. Yeah, and he he's actually yeah. It goes back to his childhood in West Virginia and his dad, and he definitely has battled depression his whole life and career. Um, but yeah, it, it, if they if they they needed some sort of uh, comic relief. And these profane, insane outbursts provide that, and and so yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great point. That you know, you know, when he appears on screen, something funny is going to something funny going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, my favorite character is uh, Devon Nixon, Norm Nixon. Mm. Uh, great job playing his dad. Uh, I love the scene with him and Magic playing basketball at the beginning, and he takes the mink off. <laughs> and, he, and, and he schools him, and he talks real slow because right. you know, because you know, veterans are gonna punt rookies like that. Like you yeah. know, that happens in real life. And then I love how eventually they come together, and how they decide, okay, we can maybe we can lead this team together. And I know if I'm not wrong, Chris, it doesn't know him get traded. Like I know they go through this year, 
I, I believe think, so. Yeah, and I think um, Norm because norm, they did they couldn't coexist. Like you just right, right. You couldn't have two alphas, so you had like mm-hmm. somebody had to go. But uh, I love this guy's portrayal at his father. It's got to be tough to play your dad, and I think he just does it with swag, and he just brings the comedy. And so, uh, yeah, Devon Nixon is my favorite character on here. Mm. Okay, now guys, this is this is the fun part because we we did this last time, and we got a bunch of really cool answers. And I want to shout out to uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon because they're doing uh, the uh, the Michael Jordan joint with, with, uh, with Nike, the new movie that's yeah. supposed to get back together and write, and that's going to be pretty cool. But I want to know your top four sports stories that deserve a movie or a TV show. Mm. All right. So, Alex, you, you, you're always hilarious. But what you got? <laughs> what, 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 what are your top four? I want to see... Um, Detroit Lions. Oh, the, Lions. the Barry. <laughs> wow, I was going the Barry the- Sanders. I don't want to see. I don't want to see uh, the bad boys. I want to see the football team and the different. What what was going through Barry Sanders' head while he was playing his time there in Detroit? That I want to see the ups and downs of that. It might just be. It could be a strong movie. I don't know if it could be a series of, of, of different events, but you got like one of the best running backs in the NFL that never got a ring only because of the team that he was playing on. If you had to put Barry Sanders in any other team, he probably would have a ring now. My pops told, told me the story. said like Sanders, what they were supposed to trade Sanders to Miami and they were they were going to get one of the Duper or Clay, one of the the uh, receivers. But when that trade fell through, Sanders was like, "I'm good. I'm quitting. I'm going home." Right. Yeah, that that's one of the most compelling a- aspect of it is these athletes who walk out on the top at the peak of their game, who could have played several more years, and just said, "Nah, I'm good," and mm-hmm. and never look back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. Okay, I'll, that I'll watch one, that. Uh, Bo Jackson. Mm, you just yeah. took one of mine. <laughs> I would definitely want to see, uh, you know, that whole like both. Just call how, it. How like, has that not been made yet? I, know. I don't know. But Bo do Jackson, we have to write it? Let's do it. Ready to go? Hey, let's write it. Come on. <laughs> Bo Jackson, the Bo Jackson story. Okay. Don't nobody know Diddley, but but Bo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would think. Mm, let's see. A polarizing character in in sports. I've done two football. Um, let's 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 go to the ATL. I want to see. Uh, I want to see a lighthearted story about the Atlanta Braves. Um, probably an angel in the outfield type of thing. Hmm. I would like to see that. Um, and the last one. Gotta be um oh the Raiders. Oh, that's that's yeah. another one. I would want to see the story. who's the uh Al Davis? Was that the one who died because yeah, he died yeah. from uh yeah. steroids? No, you're talking about Lyle Alzado. Yeah. Tell that story. I want to see that story. That's the story I want to see. 
that would be dope. I, I would definitely be all in on that Bo Jackson joint. Like that, I think yeah. that. Could, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I had two Raider, two Raider stories. Yeah, <laughs> both of those. Yeah, Bo Jackson and and, and Lau, uh, Al Al Lala Zato. Yeah, Zato story. Yeah, I would love to see those. Because I because I remember Lau was like this big dude, and then you cut to months later, he's this skinny guy, and you're right. like, what the heck, man? Yeah, yeah, man. Cool. All right, Chris, what you got? Your top four. So I want to, in case anybody's listening to this, I want to draw attention to one that was made and it seemed like nobody noticed. And that was the um, Ernie Davis Syracuse story, the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy. I did mm. see this, that. I, yeah, that's my it's guy. A good, it's a good little movie. You know, it's a yeah. good little movie. It pops up on Showtime quite often or one of the movie channels. And they did a nice job, and it seemed like nobody noticed. Like, I don't know if it was when it was released or if it didn't have quite enough star power in it, but that's a good little movie, and I'm glad that that got made, but I wish it it garnered more attention. Mm. Um, In terms of things that haven't been done, I think that, you you know, my wheelhouse, obviously, Boston sports, I think that something could be done with the Celtics, but not, not, not similar to Showtime, not the rise of the Celtics. But I want to know about the fall of the Celtics when uh, they look like they had another championship or two in them in the late 80s. But then you had Larry Bird's back give out. You had Len Bias die, who was going to carry on the franchise for another, you know, whatever. And then in the early 90s, Reggie Lewis died. Mm. And and so when you kind of go through that transition where it looked like the Celtics were going to be set for the for a decade or more by bringing in Lenny Bias and then have and then Reggie Lewis was an heir apparent and two guys died and it really set them you know down for 20 years until the late eight you know late 2000s when they won that championship in 08 mm-hmm. um I think I think that whole the crumbling and hanging on to your aging stars a little too long would be an interesting story yeah and just kind of um the mindset around the team when that all happened. I think the Patriots are ripe for a couple of different areas. Uh, like one of them, one of them could be the whole uh, story of Brady at Michigan being unable to even win the starting job. And then, you know, at Michigan and then uh, getting drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round. And then everybody forgets they gave Drew Bledsoe a hundred million dollar contract. Yes. right before he got hurt and then Brady ascended to the role. And that's why they had to trade him to to Buffalo because you couldn't keep two franchise quarterbacks on the same team. So that whole era would be interesting to me. And then because this has kind of been like a 20 year run with them, I think you could go two two other different ways for a show or a movie. One, the evolution of the Brady, Belichick, and Kraft relationship Mm. so that Brady becomes his future quarterback so much so that he ditches a a future Hall of Fame or like a very solid quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. He ditches, kicks him to the curb, and this is his boy wonder. And then somewhere over the course of 20 years, they really grow to not be able to stand each other and one of them has to go, and it's the quarterback <laughs> that has to go. Right. So that that's it. And, 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 you know, the way he was a son to, like, Kraft, but Kraft had to let Bill run the show and get ship him out of town. That's interesting to me. And then also, what if you did uh, uh, something about the arc of, like, the second 
the second half of the dynasty when they bring in Aaron Hernandez and Gronk and kind of oh. revolutionize the offense with this two tight end set. And one of the tight ends just happens to be a crazy ass murderer that nobody realized. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, like yeah. I know Aaron Hernandez has been done to death, but it's more of true crime, real life stuff. Like let's, let's flash back to him under urban Meyer in Florida when he's yeah. getting like slaps on the wrist for all these kind of like warning signs. And then when he gets to the Patriots, he's like, you know, saying all the right things and Mr. Crap this, and I'm going to set up a charitable foundation. And then at night he's out killing people. You know, yeah. that, that, that's, that's something that could be done, I think. Yes. And you would yeah. probably be surprised, but I don't have a lot of Red Sox uh, ideas out there. I haven't developed <laughs> my, I mean, it's well, it's well-worn, it's well-worn material. I mean, everybody kind of knows the story, so I, I don't really have one there, but I just think there are a few things that, that, that could have been done with the Celtics and the Patriots. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. I, what about those uh, Paul Pierce Celtics though? Like I would that, love to see something on those guys. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, uh, when Alabama played Texas in, in 2010 for the national championship, uh, 12 years later, Texas fans are constantly saying, if Colt hadn't gotten hurt, if Colt hadn't gotten hurt. <laughs> well, well the, the, the Celtics fan equivalent of that is if Perk hadn't gotten hurt. Right. Because yeah. you remember that after 08, the Celtics had a really good shot against the Lakers, and they ultimately just didn't have enough inside because per- Kevin, uh, um, Kendrick Perkins got hurt. And so we always kind of wonder what could have been in that, in that, uh, I think it was, was it the 10 season? Oh, nine. It was either the 09 or the 10 season after they won in 08. And, um, and that looked like it could have continued on a little bit, but then everything kind of fell apart after he got hurt. Yeah. And now he's making crazy money on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he, I thought he was going to be awful, but he's not bad at all. No, he's good because he's willing to, he does, you know, he tells the truth. He's willing to say stuff. When a lot of yeah. those guys aren't willing to offend anybody. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to piss off their former teammates. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right. For my my four, I I would love to see Steve McNair story. Mm-hmm. Like I've still I said yeah. it before, but I feel like with the way he passed away, mm-hmm. the way that when I remember my like he was must see TV. Like I'm from yeah. Brookhaven, Mississippi, and we would yeah. come up here to see him play just because he was yeah, he was a legend in college. Like McNair was scoring 40, 50 points a game. Yeah. Like it, it was it was crazy that a kid from where he came from and then to see all the stuff with like his personal life. Because McNair has two sons with the same name, the same age. <laughs> and like wow. we would we would go cover their football here at Mendenhall, Stephen McNair McGee. Yeah, mm, wow. yeah, no like kidding. like he was he was out there, but I would love to see a, a truthful story on that. So a Steve McNair story would be dope. I think the second one I want to see is they're doing it now with a Mad Ben. I wanted to see the story about how Nike and Jordan in the shoes. Mm. Like I'm a I'm a big yeah. you know shoe guy, and I would love to see how you know they do some of this in winning time because Ma- Magic literally could have been the Jordan. But that's, I, ama- but that's amazing to me. That whole Phil Knight uh, scene that was incredible. But they know. said Phil and Phil Knight was shopping that around to everybody, and nobody wanted to take the options with Jordan. So, uh, like, I, why he bet on himself, decided to go with Nike, and I would love to see just how it grew and how he branched off to Jumpman. So I think that would be interesting, especially nowadays with how sneaker culture has just just gone yeah. cr- gone crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to my third. This is a uh, Oof. 
I'm a Nick fan, right? So, uh, oh god, sorry for you. Lost. No, 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 no. Oh, oh <laughs> do you want to do a documentary on how Spike Lee suddenly showed up in the front row of the Brooklyn <laughs> game last night? That's about the only exciting thing. I, I, I think that's a, that's a great documentary. How someone somehow he got off at the wrong subway stop, decked out in Jackie Robinson Brooklyn Dodgers gear from head to toe, and sat in the front row when his favorite team is across the river. I that hate made that. Me laugh. I, I hate that. I hate <laughs> no, you can't know they're in New York. For Forget the Knicks, man. Come on now. I mean, I mean, forget the Nets. I just can't stand. Yeah. Oh, that that bugs me. But I would love to see something on the garden, not yeah. the team itself, just the, the the games that were played there. Though how how Kobe had such great games there. Mm. How different players, even when the Knicks sucked, people would get up to play at the garden. Like yeah. that would be a spot where you wanted to show out. So I would love to see something on how this. About the, how about all the big Big East tournaments that were held there over the years and then the six-overtime game with six, with Syracuse and, and Connecticut? I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that, but go ahead. I, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I tell people that, like, you know, I moved to New York 10 years ago, and I, I didn't understand. You know, I always feel like everything in, over New York is over, in New York is overhyped. It's like, you know, the world's most famous arena. It's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> But like the first time I walked in there in uh, in 2012, I went to an opening round Big East tournament game, and you look up at the ceiling and you look down at the floor, and I went, "Okay, I get it now." And I've been mm. to a lot of events there over the years. I went to one Knicks game. I I had tickets for a St. John Syracuse game where I actually sat on the floor. Uh, like it, it's it's one of the most remarkable places I've ever been. And I've been to some cool places, and so I absolutely, I, I full, I'm fully behind that idea. Yeah, I like, I just like these old stadiums. Just there, it's just so much love that you mm. get there. I remember going to uh, Fenway. Like they, I went to Boston for NABJ one year. Right. They let us, they let us tour Fenway, so we got a chance to go back behind where the, uh, where you do the the scoreboard. And got the a monster, chance, yeah. Man, it was so cool. Like I just. I like I, I just felt like this. You could you could see the plays there. I just really feel the ghost. That. Yeah, yeah. So like I, I understand like like to play in those type of places. That's really cool. And then my last one, I'll listen. I'm a Georgetown fan. Mm-hmm. So John Thompson. Yeah, I, I, yes. I want that. I want that story. I Coach want Thompson, that. I want. Yeah. I want him biting on that towel. I want you know. I want Psyche. I want but, you know oh, you. Yeah. They, want, they gotta, they gotta have some whiny, skinny dude play Bayheim because he'll be the perfect <laughs> foil. Yeah, yeah, I love this. I love this. Yeah. But, but would you get, would you get him more coaching Ewing, or no? But you or I'll, AI man, all of them. I want like because you remember he had morning, he had Ewing, like he had, he had a whole crew come through there. Like I wanted, I thought Georgetown was HBCU. Like I was like, <laughs> people, yeah. people don't people don't understand how remarkable it was that Thompson got these incredible talents to come to what essentially is a pretty small, pretty elite Catholic university tucked away in a corner of Washington D.C. Like it, like yeah. y- y- as a kid growing up, you heard Georgetown, Syracuse, Georgetown, Syracuse. I just assumed Georgetown was some big powerhouse college with powerhouse sports programs they didn't even play football for most of the like most of the era but they had one of the greatest basketball teams it's it is it's so remarkable and what he was able to do there and the athletes he got to go there is 
he, he was absolutely a pioneer as much as I hated him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I was <laughs> Chris, look, like look. like Chris to going back to what you said. Georgetown is like one of those places you will miss if you walked yeah. around in DC. Yeah, like yeah, it was one time I was I was walking in DC and 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 they said, "Yeah, you on a uh, Georgetown campus?" I'm like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> this it? It's, oh, it's like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's yeah. It's just tucked away. It's not on the metro, right. you know. And so unless you have any reason to be out there, uh, the fu- funny quick aside is my wife got one of her tax degrees from Georgetown Law. And Georgetown Law is um, is actually on Capitol Hill. It's away from the main campus. So the only time we had to go to the main campus was for graduation. And that day I wore a Syracuse T-shirt underneath <laughs> my suit and tie. And I, and I have a picture. I have a picture after the ceremony. I opened up my shirt and we took a picture of me standing there with, uh, you know, real men wear orange shirt on the, oh. on the Georgetown campus. But, I mean, it looks like. If you ever go to Princeton or Duke, it, it's this, you know, very uh, austere and beautiful Gothic campus. Yep. And yet they just had one of the greatest basketball recruiters and minds, you know, in history working there. It, mm-hmm. it really is a, a great, great story. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think those would be some good. Like, sports never – well, never runs dry with that because there's always good stories out there. Right. But – and, again, uh, for Syracuse, Chris, I was thinking about – you guys had freaking great. It could just be a story on just Syracuse running backs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah, a like, doubt. like man, I just think you, uh, y'all had like great guys come Jim, through there. Yeah, Jim Brown, Floyd Little, um, Ernie Davis, and then you know Daryl Moose Johnson, and yeah, it went it went all the way through. That's why you know. We, I can talk for another three hours on this, and it's just going to make me angry. Um, Syr- Syracuse was, uh, for the longest time, first of all, had was in the top ten all-time wins with the likes of Michigan and all these up until the 80s and 90s. And for that program to fall as far as it has and to be so far away from what it could have been, first of all, in the, in the you know in the fifties and sixties when they were in the mix for national championships, but even in the eighties with Don McPherson, uh, you know, being a Heisman, it really should have won the Heisman Trophy, and um, and then the Don McNabb era. I mean, those were always teams that were always in the top fifteen and competing at least for major bowl games, and for them to be completely irrelevant over you know the span of twenty years and no mm. sign of of being able to come back from that is really sad because. There, it, there was just a talent pipeline there that it was a, especially for running backs. It was a prestige thing to go there. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. I think that that'd be a, a great story. Like we need to just quit our jobs and start doing sports stories. Yeah, hey, <laughs> there, there's a need for the content. It's not the worst idea in the world. Well, right. hey, Chris, thank you for coming through, bro. We want always you. a pleasure. Always wa- a pleasure. We want you to come back in two weeks when the uh, series finale. No, yeah, yeah absolutely. We I'm want in. you to come back, and we have a. Uh, we have a rabid Laker fan that we're going to bring in to Corey. And like, I think you guys will definitely mess, but we want to bring you in just to give our final thoughts on the series. So we, we love, love to have your opinions. It'll be great. And at that time I'll be back being a Massachusetts resident. So my <laughs> accent, my accent will be thicker and uh, yeah, I'll be ready to go. Be great. And, right. and hopefully, hopefully we'll be a week or two further along in the, uh, in the current Celtics playoff run. Oh, so we'll, we'll see how oh, that goes. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Listen, my my team's out, so I'm. I'm yeah, mine is too, and I'm, I'm hating it. 
That's okay. LeBron said that's never gonna happen again. Remember, it's, he's gonna drink wine. We'll drink wine and it's gonna be okay. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guys, thanks for coming through, and we'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Peace. peace. Killing me, small.